0: the rod of their oppressor.
1: Steve. I didn't have my sheet of paper. Hey everybody. Welcome. On behalf of Norfew and we wish you and your family a blessed and Merry Christmas. Wasn't that awesome? Can we give them a hand of appreciation? There's going to be more of that. What we're here to do, and we're talking about Jesus being the anchor tonight, but we're going to do more of that. We're here tonight to celebrate and to reverence what God did in his Hesed love for us in the bringing and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is appropriate to be relevant, uh, rever- reverent towards him. And, and tonight, just join in where you can. And uh, But let's have a spirit of worship among us. and, and If nowhere else in the world tonight, may he be raised as king here. Amen? Amen. Okay.
2: We're going to invite you to stand as you're able as we just celebrate the season, as we celebrate the gift of Jesus. We invite you to enter in with us as we celebrate and worship our king today. Hark the herald angels sing glory from hell. Gift that you bring this Christmas season. We love you, Lord. We adore you today. May you be blessed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: You may be seated. The night sky is dark and oppressive. A chill in the air stings. Eyes frantic for any sign of hope in the bleakness that envelops the world hopelessness, and depression reign. And then, light slices the darkness. In human terms, it looks like a star, although not like any ever seen before. The night seems to run from its brilliance. Hope radiates and fills the sky as this beacon announces the birth of the king. Confused but excited, frightened, but drawn toward its splendor. This is our hope. This is new life. Christ is born.
1: that was fun, wasn't that? Ah, oh, give him another hand, that was great. You know, when there were fears that we wouldn't even be able to do Christmas together, I think there's a deeper appreciation when you actually can, right? That's right? good. Well, it's Christmas Eve, and uh, yeah, woo. and uh, we've come to worship, as I said, to honor and venerate the Lord Jesus Christ. This is one of the hallmark, and it's so wonderful to see. I saw so many coming in and I was trying to say hi, and as I was saying hi to one, three blew by me, and it was like, oh my goodness, it's so great to see all of you again. Thank you for coming tonight. Uh, we've come to celebrate his entrance into our world and our reality so that we can be in his world in his reality. That last song we uh, sang and, you know, where we were clapping, and all of a sudden it started to really kick. Can you imagine what that's going to be like in heaven? Can you imagine when that rolls out? It's just going to be spectacular. You know, but oddly enough, <clears throat> um, we're asking the same question that was being asked 2,000 years ago at the time of Jesus' birth. And that question is this Is there any hope for the future? And we're going to address that tonight. In the, the series we've been, at, we've been in, if you're uh, here for the first time tonight and, and you're jumping in, we've been in a, a Christmas series, uh, and it's called The Thrill of Hope A Weary World Rejoices. And we've said, never has there been such an appropriate title for a Christmas uh, series. But the first week we asked, is there any hope for the Jews? And uh, we said the answer is resoundingly yes. And by the way, you can go online and you can, if any of these are of interest to you, you can go and and rehear these and and, uh, just go to our website. But is there any hope for the Jews? And the answer is resoundingly yes. We also asked, is there any hope for the Gentiles? Uh, Gentiles are people outside the Jewish faith, that'd be us, yes, okay, And the answer again was yes. And then we also last week explored hope for the church. And again, the answer was surprisingly optimistic. The answer is yes, in spite of all the problems. God is doing things today that have never happened on the face of this planet and may do more. And Jesus and the prophets said that as it gets closer to time, miracles are going to start rolling out again and God's going to be doing things again that will astound the world and we should be looking with an eye for him coming. And tonight we'll look at the last of the four, which is, is there hope for the future? Now that question comes in um, kind of two frames of reference, all right? The first frame of reference is, is there hope for the immediate, uh, today, tomorrow, next week, when I get out of bed, when we're not all gathered together and it's Monday morning and I got to go back to life as it is, is there any hope for that future, and then the second part of it, is their hope for eternity? You know, what happens after here? Not so much what takes place here, but is there actually hope for what takes place after here? And God speaks to both of these. We're going to take a look at it and underline both of them tonight. But before we do that, would you join me in prayer? Let's, let's pray. Father, what a, what a wonderful night so far. Hmm. Special when you inhabit the praises of your people. Deeply grateful. As we come tonight, Lord, I'm not going to say anything new, but it will be profound. And we ask that your spirit would uh, use it as a catalyst among us to have discussions and conversations. Maybe conversations never been had between you and some of the people here. Maybe a long-running conversation with a saint that you've loved for a long time. And then somewhere in between. Lord, we seek you tonight that not only would we be blessed, but would you be blessed? And we ask this in your name. Amen. All right. As I mentioned on Sunday uh, when we were talking, research has shown that one group is significantly better uh, with the whole COVID umbrella of consequences and systems, symptoms than any other group. Uh, that they've studied. And the study said that those who went to church weekly, aha! I said, you don't see that in our press, do you? Those who went to church weekly reported significantly better mental health and hope in the midst of trying circumstances. Now, pause on that. Does that mean we have no problems? No, it does not. All right? Does that mean we're superior? No, not at all. What that means is that there's a real God who gives real peace and His peace is not the way the world gives, but he gives a different kind of peace. And when people come to him, they receive that peace. That's what we're celebrating tonight. What it does mean is that we have a really good anchor in the midst of stormy times. And that anchor holds despite the storm. And you see this over and over, especially in the Psalms and in the prophets and New Testament. It's when the storms come that God says, that's when I'll be there the most for you. I want to uh, look at a, some verses in Hebrews chapter 6. Uh, they are very non-Christmassy, all right? Is that a word, Christmassy? They're very non Well, there is now, all right? Uh, but this passage highlights this hope that is found in the coming of Jesus at his birth. It says this, so when God desired, I wish I could talk like Bob. Doesn't he have a great voice when he narrates that stuff? So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise, the heirs of the promise are those who place their trust in Jesus for their eternal salvation. That would be us. More convincingly, I like that phrase, when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of promise the unchangeable character of His purpose, He guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope that is set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, becoming a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. I want you to notice in this passage, notice that phrase, the unchangeable character of his purpose. I want you to lock in on that phrase. That is who Jesus is. God has always loved the world. After all, he created it. He likes it. He looked at it and said it's good. But he's also always loved the people of the world, the people he put in it, and has always been trying to woo them back to himself, draw them back. A wise old woman once told King David, like spilled water on the ground which cannot be recovered, so we must all die. But that is not what God desires. Rather, He devises ways so that a banished person does not remain banished from Him. Isn't that profound? God finds ways to bring the banished person back. The way God devised so that the banished ones could return was through the coming of His Son, this baby Jesus that we're talking about and celebrating tonight. He, Jesus get this, is the unchangeable character of his purpose. When you read that in there, that's who you're talking about. God would work salvation by his son, who alone possesses this unchangeable character. And this coming, this purpose that we celebrate tonight, Christmas, Jesus, born to Mary and Joseph, brings hope. Let's consider hope for the immediate present, right? There's two of them. Let's do the immediate present. Is there hope for tomorrow? Jesus said a couple things that are anchors, anchor statements. In Hebrews 13, he said this, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You're a little kid, there's something really powerful about the fact when your dad looks at you and says, you know what, I'll always be here for you, I'll never leave you. There's just something that changes the the reality for a child when a dad says that. That's what God is saying from heaven. I'll never leave you or forsake you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. NIV would say even to the end of the age. All right. So if we're at the end of the ages, then that means he's just as much here with us as he was here with the disciples. That in his spirit, he can still communicate to us. He can still talk to us. He will do that mostly through his word but he also does it through his spirit. And we have to really appreciate that. In John 14, Jesus said this, when I go, I'm going to ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. And you know him for he dwells with you and he will be in you. We've talked about the fact that truth is the language of heaven. That lying is the language of hell. Right? God sends His spirit, and He calls him what? The spirit of truth. Okay? Satan is called the spirit of deception. There's a massive contrast there. God will send us His spirit, and we'll be able to receive Him, and we'll be able to know Him and we'll know Him because He dwells in us. Psalm 46:1 has always been an anchor for Christians down through the centuries. God is a refuge and strength of very present help in trouble. And the context of that verse is really important. You don't have your Bibles tonight, but it's it's Psalm 46, and you read that, and it's the verses that follow that give the context for how powerful that verse is. Because the following verses goes on to say this, Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling then it says that little word selah, which seems, stop, pause, think about that. Right? We will not fear though the earth gives way. You know, I think right now we're fearing that the earth is giving way in a lot of ways. Our country's giving way. We live on the Cascadia subduction zone. Goodness, we may be going for a swim. What are we going to do? And Psalm 46 tells us you anchor on Him. You anchor solid on Him. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in times of trouble. That means when it's tough, that's when He's with you. Jeremiah says this, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will hear you. Now this verse is taken wildly out of context, particularly at a a season like Christmas, because we think that, oh, that's so wonderful. The question is the timing of it. When was God saying this to his people? God was saying this to the Jewish people when they, Jeremiah said this to the Jews as they were walking out of Jerusalem and heading towards Babylon in captivity. Most of them had been slaughtered. A remnant, about 150,000, was hauled to Babylon. And God says this verse to them. He says, I know the plans that I have for you. It's not over. It's not done. This is awful. This is terrible. Nobody would stand in line, vote to pick me for this one. But I know the plans I have for you, for welfare and not for evil. I'm going to give you a future, and I'm going to give you hope. And if Jesus can say that to Israel on their way into captivity into Babylon, then he can say it to the American church in the midst of COVID-19. Amen? Amen. Right? He knows the plans he has for us. They are for our welfare and not for evil. He plans to give us a future, and he plans to give us a hope. The upside, even in disaster, God is with us and he is our future and he is our hope because why the unchangeable nature of his purpose. His heart, his purpose is never going to change. This is why the psalmist declares in Psalm 33, our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield for our heart is glad in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your steadfast love, O Lord, be upon us, even as we hope in you. In other words, God, you be steadfast towards us, and if you're steadfast towards us, we'll be steadfast towards you. We're going to anchor in our hope in you. And so Jesus brings hope for the present. He also brings hope for the future, for eternity. He says this very clearly. Most people don't know this anymore because they don't read the text anymore. They don't even read the four Gospels anymore. But Jesus made it very clear. He said in John 14, let, your hearts, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Jesus said, I and the Father are one. You've seen the Father. You've seen If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. In my Father's house are many rooms. The old King James said what? Mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and I prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself. That is a term of endearment, okay? I will take you to myself. Uh, You ever watch the movies where couples get separated in a war and uh, they can't find each other and later they're reunited and and they just hug? That is called taking each other unto yourself, right? It's bonded in an incredibly intense way that words can't convey. God is going to, in almost a nonverbal way, Take us to himself. We will be overwhelmed by it. We will, even though we know this, we don't know this. And someday we will know this, and then we won't have to explain it. But if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Second Corinthians says this, in spite of everything you're going through, and Uh, Chapter 4 lists all the tough things that can happen. It says, So we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day for this light and momentary affliction. That's what Paul calls the sufferings that we go through on our planet during our lifetime. They don't seem so light and momentary to us. They seem supremely deep, agonizing, and forever. Paul calls that light and momentary affliction, is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. You know, and isn't that the challenge every day? Right? To open up your Bible, look, and to set your eyes on the things that aren't seen and make that the reality, not the stuff you can see the reality. Some people would say we're crazy for doing that. Some people say it's pie in the sky. Religion, Some people would say foolishness. But for those who know the Lord, they know when he's talking to them and they know when he sets their sights above and says, this is temper. It's going to go focus up here. Look to me, look to me. Paul says, this light momentary affliction is preferring us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, means temporary, means going to go away, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And so therefore, when we're talking about Jesus as the anchor, Jesus as this bedrock, when Jesus came as this baby, he became the anchor for all of reality. And that's really a, a massive statement that could just be hyperbole and uh, stretching, But it is either one of two things. He either is who he claimed to be, and if he is, then he is the anchor for all of reality. Or at worst, he's an evil person who made a lot of lies and got a lot of suckers to buy into it. There's no in-between. There's no in-between. He either is or he isn't. Because he never claimed to be a good teacher, he never claimed to be a good man, he never claimed to be... Uh, a Pharisee or a religious person, what he claimed to be was God. That's what they killed him for. Hebrews 7 says this, Consequently, this Jesus we're talking about, he's able to save us to the uttermost, those who draw near to God through him. Uttermost means he is the absolute best at it. There's nobody better at it. He can do it better than anybody else has ever done it, ever. To the uttermost. He can save to the animals those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. Do you know tonight as you sit here, as we are gathered together, one of the beauties is that we get to intercede, right, for the Lord and, and, and give worship to him. But do you know that he's interceding for you? That this Jesus that we've been talking about sits at the right hand of the Father and is praying for you personally. He knows you. knows you by name. Been wooing you back, been drawing you back. Come on back, and nothing draws people back like a baby, right? Did you watch Jackson and the babies tonight? Where where did everybody flock to? Did they flock to Pastor Steve? No, (laughs) did they flock to Shannon? No, who did they flock to? A baby, right? What is it about a baby? It's just the pure innocence, right? There's there, you just look and go, gosh wish I could be that innocent again and God came and knew how to get our hearts how did he come as a baby we're so drawn to this night it just moves us I had tears in my eyes while we were singing I got tears in my eyes when I was praying why because we're talking about God came to rescue and he he came as a baby that baby would save us wow Mary did you know yes she did yes she did John said this in chapter 10, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. I and the father are one. That's one of the most incredible promises found in scripture. Jesus says once you're mine, you're always mine. I know my children, and I know they get dirty, and I know they make a mess. That's what kids do. Dogs and kittens as well. They make a mess, but God loves them in spite of that. So let's go back to the beginning of this message and look again at that passage from Hebrews. It's back up on the screen for you. This was God's purpose. So when God desired in his heart To show more convincingly so that there wouldn't be any question at all. To the heirs of promise, the ones who would be the ones he called out and the ones who'd come to know him. The unchangeable character of his purpose. He guaranteed it with an oath. That means God sealed it by his own word. Because there's nobody greater to give an oath by than himself. And so by two unchangeable things. One is this oath and the second is what? This anchor. Jesus coming as the Savior by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie. What did we say the language of heaven was? Truth. What did we say the language of hell was? Lies. It is impossible for God to employ the language of hell to make a promise to you from heaven. God can't lie, doesn't lie. God tells the truth. That's what this is saying right here. It says, it is impossible for God to lie. We who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. So if you're here tonight and you've not fled to Jesus, may I beg with you as your pastor, please do that. Please do that. Okay? Uh, next Sunday, uh, it, we'll, we'll be here, and then January 3rd, I'll be back. We're going to be gone, is what I meant to say. And I'll be back on January 3rd. January 3rd is my birthday. And I will be 64, no more. So listen to an old man. I have watched Jesus in season and out. I have watched Jesus since 1978. That means a lot of you weren't even born when I came to Christ. And if you did, you and I are closer to heaven. We're going together. But here's the point. I have seen Jesus' faithfulness over the decades. I have seen him be true. To what he said. And I know if you will humble yourself and say, Lord Jesus, I know what Pastor Steve is saying is true. I know I've needed to call out to you. I know I need to surrender. I have been a rebel. I have been bucking everything. I have just been doing my own thing. And uh, some of you have been doing that and nobody would even know because you're the polite Christian kid. Lord Jesus, maybe this would be a great Christmas present to you if I gave myself to you. Wouldn't that make sense? And wouldn't that delight his heart? Because that would fall in line with the unchangeable character of his purpose. He's been wooing us for a long time. So as we said, just as there's hope for the Jews, and just as there's hope for the Gentiles, and just as there is hope for the church. By the way, the church is not dead, people. Not by a long shot. Don't believe our press. They're lying to you, Okay. Most certainly, there is a hope for the future. And therefore, as we go into 2021, let's anchor in this. Let's be steadfast in this hope. What we're celebrating tonight, let's lock on tight. If you've been a little wobbly, a little loose, playing the fringes, let's lock on tight again. Let's be steadfast in this hope. Let's be united in this hope. Let's stay strong together. Jesus is first base. And let's walk in a manner worthy of this hope. If we have hope, it should be reflected in our actions. Let's walk in a manner worthy of that hope. And then lastly, we need to love and encourage each other deeply in this hope. Okay? It's easy to get discouraged. It's easy to get blindsided. It's easy to get sideswiped in this life. And we need to be watching out for who got clobbered this week and how can I encourage you and how can I keep you pointing towards the hope. That's in the Lord Jesus. The thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. You know, there may be a lot of things going wrong right now, but it sure changes when we get together and sing praise to Him, doesn't it? So let's do some rejoicing tonight. Some more. Let's celebrate Jesus again in both spirit and song. Uh, You will all have a part in this. Uh, You have... Some instructions have been given to you. Got a little play thing that's going to come out in a few minutes. Um, you'll know when. Just watch. And, uh, but let's celebrate Jesus, all right? I'm going to ask the band to come up, but let's pray before they do that. Father, only you can lock us into the unchangeable nature of your purpose. Only you can give us hope. Lord, we seek you tonight. We've come to honor you, to praise you, to say you're the most important. To, to celebrate your coming. And we ask a reciprocal part on your part that you would encourage us in your hope. Encourage us that you have a future and a hope for us. That you can take us through anything, no matter how bad it is, that you'll be right there with us and that we will know you truly, both in spirit and in name. God, we give that to you. A great hope. Ask this in your name. Amen.
2: that miracles can still happen.
0: Just when it seems impossible, the unexpected happens when you least expect it. Once upon a time, on a dark and cold winter's night, I saw a bright star shining from the east, and I followed it. All of a sudden an angel of the Lord appeared and said,
2: Do not be afraid. I bring good news of great joy for all mankind. Today
0: a Savior has been born to you, and He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find this baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heavens, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests.
2: close with silent night you can keep your lights on but as we close I just invite you to spend some moments in reverence as we just thank God for his precious gift this season please join us
1: Isn't that beautiful? May you go in that spirit to your homes and your families and as you celebrate around, don't forget to make Jesus the center and the core of what you're doing. Let him be a part of it. Let the talk of him be rich. Let the gratitude to him be profound. And Celebrate him richly over this next couple of days. Go in his peace. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Thanks for coming. We'll see you on Sunday.